The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Verse 16 is where we will find our text here today. So good to have each and every one of you in church here the week after Easter. We pray that you've had a great week. We've had a phenomenal week as we've had the opportunity of enjoying Christ's resurrection last week and then on Friday evening with our vision banquet and just how God met with us. It was an exciting time and those of you who were able to be a part of it, just thank you so much uh, for doing that and we're looking forward uh, to what God has for us in the days ahead. Well, you're here this morning, which means you're available for the very first first sermon in our new series that we are entitling Shattered, Simply Surviving in a Broken World. I don't think there's a person in here today who would say, I've never gone through a trial, I've never gone through a hard time, I've never gone through a difficult situation, and yet we're going to go to God's Word and really look to see how do we survive those things, how, how, do, we, how do we make it through those difficult seasons in our life, uh, those difficult trials, those difficult obstacles. How do we, first of all, survive? And and maybe let's even go beyond that a little bit. How how do we thrive? Uh, Not just beyond these difficulties, beyond these pains, but how do we thrive in the midst of them? And that's really the premise that we're going to seek to unpack here over the next few weeks. And so thank you so much for being here for really this introductory message in our series, Shattered. Inside your service program, uh, you'll find an outline that you can use to follow along through the Bible study here this morning. I do hope it will be a help to you as we take some time to study from the Word of God together today. If you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand here this morning as we take the opportunity to read our text. We're basically going to springboard off of John chapter number 16. And I want to read to you some of the words of Jesus. If you have one of these Bibles where the words of Jesus are in red, uh, then you'll find in this particular text here that these words are in red. So you'll notice here in John chapter number 16, we're going to begin reading in verse number 33. And I want you to know what Jesus has to say in his very own words. Notice, the, notice these words. The Bible says in the Gospel of John 16 verse 33, These things I, this is Jesus speaking, have spoken unto you. So what does Jesus have to say? That these are going to be key words for this series. In me ye might have peace. If you're used to marking in your Bible, I want you to circle. I want you to mark those words in me. It's really going to be something we go back to again and again and again over the next six weeks. In me, ye might have peace. In the world, ye shall have tribulation. Jesus is saying, in this world, there's going to be troubles. In this world, there's going to be trials. In this world, there's going to be difficulties. In this world, ye shall. He promises it. Ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. How could Jesus say that? How could he say, be of good cheer? You're going through a hard time. You're going through a difficulty. You're going through a hardship. And Jesus says, hey, it's okay. It's going to be all right. Why? Because I have overcome the world. (laughs) Jesus says, hey, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. You say, why? He says, I've overcome the world. Go back to the beginning of the verse. And you're in me. And I'm in you. And because of that, we will overcome. 
This morning I want to speak on the subject of trials, pains, and difficulties as we really start this series, Shattered, Thriving and Surviving in a Very Broken World. Shall we pray? Dear gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful privilege, Lord, that we have to be a part of your church. I pray that as we gather together in your word, Lord, that this would not just be us going through the motions of some religious duty that we have, but Lord, I pray that our hearts and our souls and minds would worship you, Lord, through the singing, Lord, and through the hearing of your word. I pray, God, right now that you would help me to say everything you want me to say, have the courage to do so, and God, give me here also the patience not to say those things that you would not want me to say. Lord, I humble myself, I surrender myself to your spirit, and I pray that you would just use me. Lord, as a vessel, Lord, to communicate that which you would have communicated to your people here this morning. I pray for those that are hurting today. I pray that for those that are going through some brokenness and some trials and some difficulties. And I pray that through your word, Lord, you would minister grace to their hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated here this morning. At some point, I don't exactly remember when it was, but my mother had the idea to give each of her daughter-in-laws uh, a heirloom of sorts. And uh, so she wanted to give something special to each of uh, the wives of my brothers. And, and my wife ended up here during that time with kind of a, a little crystal, maybe what you would call a candy dish, uh, that would kind of be used at Christmas time. And you'd put little candies in it. And I, uh, my mother had been giving it to her grandmother had given it to her and it wasn't one of these things she was going to kind of pass down. It was really special to her and so she gave it to my wife Jenny to kind of use during the holidays. It's just a little, you know, crystal candle dish or whatever. Now I do have to say I, I had no idea what it was. Uh, she had given it, my mom had given it to Jenny without my knowing and, and to be honest to me it was just an old dish that, you know, kind of would show up at different times of the year. In fact, I, I wasn't even aware at the time that my mother had given this candy dish uh, to my wife and so one day I was uh, in the living room and I was holding it. It was sometime around Christmas time and I was holding this dish and I was just eating the candies out of this candy dish and not thinking a whole lot of it, just kind of eating the candy. Uh, the doorbell rang. Of course, it was around Christmas time. I went to the door and as I went to the door, I'm holding the candy dish. I'd open it up and my parents are standing there. They'd come over for some celebration and things and I'm standing there for whatever reason, just kind of without me knowing, I just kind of something bumped my arm or something and literally my mom, as she was standing literally in front of me, that candy dish dropped from my hand, hit the, the flooring right before, kind of in our entryway, and literally shattered into a hundred pieces right before my eyes. And my mom is just looking at me like, what have you just done? Of course, not knowing what it was or kind of what had happened uh, uh, there, I, I kind of said to them something along the lines of, it's not really a big deal, you know, it's just an old, old dish Jenny had lying around. We don't even use it very much, you know? And she's just looking at me like, what in the world did you just do? It wasn't until later that my wife decided to tell me exactly what I had broken in front of my mother and things. And thankfully enough, she forgave me. There are times in our lives when things shatter. And sometimes it's just very insignificant things. How many of you have ever shattered a glass? Maybe just there in your kitchen or something. And all of us have had times where we've broken little knickknacks or things along the lines. It's a much more serious thing, however, when things of greater value begin to get shattered shattered. Uh, maybe in the case of an heirloom or something special that you had in your home. It's even that much more serious when it's something like our hopes are shattered. Dreams 
are shattered. Expectations that we had shattered. We thought our marriage would turn out a certain way and it seems like the longer we're at it, the more those dreams just are shattering. And we had certain expectations. By the time we were a certain age, we thought we'd have so much money. We, we thought we'd be secure and have enough to do these things or those things. And it seems like those dreams kind of have shattered. Uh, maybe for others, it's, it's a health situation and you never thought that at your age you would be battling with the health issues that you're battling with at your age and, and some of those dreams begin to shatter. We've all had seasons in our lives where hopes, dreams, and expectations are shattered. And it's easy to begin to think that these things will never get put together again. So over this series, we want to answer these questions. How do we survive the pain? How do we go beyond just surviving? How do we thrive in the midst of our pain? And and that really is the question we want to unpack over the next few weeks. It's one thing to survive. It's a whole other thing to thrive in the midst and in the middle of our pain. You see, pain will either make you bitter or it has the potential to make you better. And everything depends on how we respond to those difficult, shattering circumstances that we face. I want to remind you of this, that there is a beautiful life, not just beyond your pain. Because because that's what a lot of preachers will try to sell you on. Well, God can give you beauty beyond your pain. And God can deliver you beyond your pain. And God can give you strength beyond your pain. And what we're going to see from the scriptures over the next few weeks is God doesn't just give us grace beyond it. He doesn't just give us strength beyond it. He gives us grace. He gives us strength right smack dab in the middle of our pain. And that is the glorious hope that we are going to anchor our faith into over the next few weeks. Here's the theme for today. This is the lens through which we're going to study this passage. And that is simply this. While problems are inevitable, everyone will go through them, misery is optional. Did you get that? Every one of us are going to experience problems as we're going to see in just a moment from the scriptures. Problems, trials, difficulties, hardships, challenges are absolutely inevitable. If you were born onto planet earth, if you're a human being, I hate to, I hate to tell you this, but you will experience problems. You're going to experience relational problems. Unfortunately, many of you will experience marital problems. You'll experience financial problems. You'll experience economic problems. You might experience health problems. Problems in this broken world are inevitable. However, by God's grace and God's strength, misery, being miserable in the midst of those problems, being miserable in the midst of that pain, is optional. And we're going to look at the Word of God and see how to survive and thrive, not just beyond the pain, but even smack dab in the middle of it. Smack dab in the middle of working with those annoying co-workers. Smack dab in the middle of that difficult relationship with a spouse. Right smack dab in the middle of that, you know, issue you're having with your adult child. Smack dab in the middle of that financial thing that you're going through. How do we survive and thrive in the middle of our pain. This morning we're going to look at two realities from this passage surrounding pain. 
Let's begin with the Word of God here once again. I want you to see the middle of verse number 33, which is where we're going to draw out our first thought in just a moment. The Bible says here in the middle of uh, chapter number 16, verse 33, Jesus says, notice the middle, In the world ye shall have tribulation. Did, Did you see that? Most of us want to go to these promises of Jesus that make us feel really good and really happy and they sound really fluffy. And how how many of you are thankful that many of the promises of God are encouraging and they're uplifting and they really inspire? How many of you are thankful for those promises of Jesus Christ? Praise God for that. Now here's another promise right from the mouth of Jesus. Here's what it is. You're going to have problems. It's just as much of a promise is all the happy ones he gives to. And there are some Christians, and they want to divide the Bible. They want to say, I believe this promise and that promise and those promises, but I want to ignore these promises over there. Can I say this? You either believe it or you don't. And if you believe the Word of God, then you have to accept that this promise is just as real as all the happy promises. In this world, Jesus says, ye shall have tribulation. God says it, it's, not, it, it's not a maybe. It's not like, well, if, if, you, if you kind of finagle your way through life and you're slick enough and, and you, you work things out that, that you, you can avoid all pain and avoid all troubles. Can I just say this? God says it's impossible. Now, as we're going to see in this series, there are ways to minimize troubles and trials. We're going to see as we honor the Lord and we allow His principles and precepts to guide our lives. It is possible to minimize them. But to eliminate them is an impossibility. For the Bible declares that we shall have tribulation. We will have troubles. We will have trials. Which leads us to our first thought this morning and that is simply this. In our lives, there will be pain. In our lives, there will be be pain. Verse 33, ye shall have tribulation. Christians are not exempt from suffering. Pain and sorrow are real even for the believer. If you came to church this morning because you were hoping to find some little lucky rabbit's foot that you could rub to get rid of all your pain and get rid of all your suffering, I hate to tell you this, but it doesn't exist. You will experience trouble. You will experience pain. Even as a believer. Even as a Christian. Job chapter number 14 verse 1 says it this way. Man is born of a woman of a few days. Notice this. And even just after a few days, it's full of trouble. We could go to passage after passage after passage that talks about the realities that even for the believer, even for the Christian, there are troubles, there are pains, and there is no way to eliminate them from your life. In America today, it's a little interesting to me um, in, in a lot of ways. We're fairly, if I can use this term, spoiled. How many of you would agree, in, in context, in comparison to the rest of the world, we've been pretty blessed as Americans. Uh, we live pretty well. And, and some might even say, we're even a little bit spoiled. I mean, we just, we have it pretty good, a lot of us. 
Just when it comes to the economy, when it comes to a lot of, the, compared to third world countries, we have it pretty good. Uh, it's almost a little bit humorous sometimes, some of the things that we'll complain about. And we don't catch it because we're so in our world, our first world mindset and paradigm, that we don't even realize some of the things that come out of our mouth, some of the things that we kind of com- complain about, and, and not in a deep, you know, harsh you know, unspiritual way, but just kind of things that kind of float out of our mouth. And if we really stop to think about it in context to what so many people go through globally and in third world countries, it's almost a little bit humorous, the things that people will complain about. Every once in a while, my wife and I will just start laughing at each other because, you know, it's not like we're being like totally, ah, poor me. But, you know, some of the things we'll say to each other and we just have to kind of stop and laugh because it's kind of like, I can't believe this thing is such a big deal. Even last night we were laughing about something that was just humorous because it was kind of a little complaint and all of a sudden it dawned on us what it was what we were complaining about. We just had to laugh. I mean, it was totally like a first world problem, all right? It wasn't one of these real third world problems that exist in the world today. Every once in a while, how many of you men ever do this? You, you go to the pantry or the, or the refrigerator, you open it up and you say something like I do, you know, as you're opening that thing up, man, there's nothing to eat in this house. You ever been there before? There's nothing to eat. What that literally means is there's nothing I can put in my face in the next 2.3 seconds. That's what that means. My wife will say something and be like, what in the world? The the cupboards are full of food. I'm looking around. I don't see it. I'm like, there's there's no food here. I I, I see a bunch of ingredients, but I'm not seeing any food. We can kind of complain about some silly things sometimes, can't we? But that's not totally of what we're talking about here this morning. The reality is, even in our first world living, many of us have experienced very real, very deep, very cutting trials and difficulties. The book of James, chapter number 1, allocates the entire first chapter to addressing the subject of trials, pains, and difficulties. And in that passage... James goes on to say, you're going to experience very different, diverse or various types of trials. He says, as a believer, not all your trials, not all your pains will be the same. You might experience, some might experience health trials and others might experience financial trials and some family trials and some emotional trials and others relational trials and maybe spiritual trials of sorts. It was C.S. Lewis who said, We were promised sufferings. They are part of the program. The Bible even tells us, Blessed are those that mourn. I want to set the foundation for this series by really helping us to understand that trials and difficulties and problems are part of the program. God not only ordained our trials, He allows them and He is going to use them for something beautiful and something great. And that's what we're going to unpack over the next few weeks. So we might ask ourselves as we're addressing in our lives there will be pain, why is it extremely important to have a proper theology of pain? You, depending on who you watch, if, you're, if you flip through the TV, you know, at 11 o'clock at night and come across maybe one of these televangelists, they might give you a theology of pain, a theology of trouble that is not consistent with the Word of God. 
They'll say a lot of happy, fluffy talk, but when it comes right down to it, there's not a lot of Bible there. And here we want to make sure, we're forget, what is the Bible? What is a proper theology of pain? What is a proper theology of trials? We want to view our trials. We want to view our pain. We want to view our difficulties in the same way God views it. We want to have a proper theology of it. Why is this important? Number one, if we have a wrong theology of pain, if we have this idea that Christians should never suffer, and believers should never go through hard times. And, and everything should just be like a, a walk into the park, dancing on clouds. If, if that's our theology, like if I was just good enough, and if I was just spiritual enough, and if I was just holy enough, and my life would be perfect, and there'd be no problems, and there'd be no pain. If you honestly believe that, you're putting yourself in a position to become highly cynical toward God. It will not be long before a spirit of cynicism starts to sabotage the way you view the world. Well, I thought God was supposed to take care of me. I thought God was supposed to keep me from troubles. I thought God was supposed to make my life perfect. God is failing me. No, God did not fail you. God promised these to you. And as we're going to see in a couple weeks, He does it for your good. Now, there's a whole other message. And I know that's a bitter pill to swallow. But we're going to look at the Word of God, how He actually uses trials, troubles, and sufferings not to destroy us, but to develop us. God's, it's, it's important to have a proper theology of pain. Here, here's another reason. If we don't have a proper theology of pain, if we don't view it through a biblical lens, if we have this idea that, man, if I could just become more spiritual or more godly or more holy, the more holy I become, the less, the less pain I have and the less troubles I have and this and this and this. While there is a law of sowing and reaping that we're going to touch on in the future, the reality is this. You will never get to a point where you eliminate trials and troubles and suffering completely. It won't happen. Because God uses trials, He uses troubles, and He uses pains to develop you into the believer that He desires for you to be. Here's what happens if we have a false theology of pain. The second thing is we might begin to lose confidence in God. We become cynical, but we begin to lose confidence. I, 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 thought, God was, I thought God was better than that. And all of a sudden we get three or four years into our Christian life and, and we start to get, our hearts start to get cold toward God. Because you had expectations of God that God never promised in His Word. You came to church expecting something that God never promised. You came to Christ thinking He was going to give you something that He never promised to give you. And all of a sudden, you begin to lose confidence in God. Because your theology of pain was not consistent with what the Scriptures have to say. So... While problems are inevitable, nobody's going to avoid them completely. We can minimize them, as we'll see in a few weeks, but we will never eliminate them completely. They are promised from God not just to destroy us, but actually to develop us. Our lives will, in our lives, there will be pain. So let's move on. That was kind of our first thought here. In our lives, there will be pain. But you say, well, that wasn't very encouraging, Pastor. Why don't we get to something a little better? Let, let's do that, all right? We'll go there. Let's get to the end of the verse. The Bible says in John chapter number 16, verse 33, he goes on to say, now I, I want to I caveat it, I want to contextualize it by saying here, he says, these things have I spoken unto you, the beginning of the verse, that in me, 
you might have peace. This is very, very important. The only way you're going to experience lasting, enduring peace is as you are regularly abiding in Christ. It's not just because you go to church. It's not just because you name the name of Jesus. It's not just because you consider yourself better than somebody down the office way. No. Jesus says, I'm going to promise you some peace. But that peace is found in me. It's found in an abiding relationship with me. It's found as you bask in my presence. It's found as I am in you and you are in me and you relish in that personal, dynamic, ongoing relationship with Him as you feast your mind, your heart, your soul, as you bask in His glory, as you meditate on His Word, as you are literally, as the John 15 says, like a vine and a branch joint together, abiding in one another. He says, in me, you'll have peace. There's a lot of Christians who don't have peace. Because they're not surrendered to abiding in Christ. They have access to it. Christ is in them. But they're not accessing the grace that God makes available to them. And so they go to work. They live their marriages. Deal with their finances. Very stretched out. Man, like they're burning the candles at both ends. Wondering, why in the world am I so frustrated? And Jesus says, I promise you something. That in me, as you abide in me, as you spend time in my presence, there is peace. He goes on to say, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Literally, Jesus is saying, you don't have what it takes to survive your problems. You, in and of yourself, don't have what it takes to thrive in the midst of your pain. But he says, I want you to be of good cheer. In me, as you abide in me, as you bask in my presence, as you surrender to my grace, you'll have peace. Because I'm in you. I'm an overcomer. And I can overcome through you. What a glorious promise. What a wonderful truth from the Word of God. You see, Christians here are not exempt from suffering. Pain and sorrow is real. Which leads us here to our next thought this morning, and that is simply this. Just as we saw in our lives, there will be pain. I want you to see secondly, in our pain, there will be grace. In our pain, there will be grace. God offers His strength. God offers His grace. God offers His help. Literally, God offers Himself in the midst of our difficult hour. Rather than waste our energy trying to avoid all pain, let's use our energy to respond correctly in our pain.
This is what 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, you're, you're familiar with the story. The Apostle Paul has this trial. He's going through this difficulty. He's going through this hard time. And here's what he says in this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 7. He says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. He says, unless I get too proud and too haughty. He says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. I had a trial. I had a tribulation. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. He said, three times I went to God. And I said, God, please, I'm serving you. I love you. I'm living for you. God, please, would you take this trial away? Would you remove it from me? For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He was begging God to take this trial, this problem, this pain away. But let's see what happens. And he, God, said unto me. So God says to Paul, he says, wait a second. I'm going to give you something better than taking away your pain. Uh, He says, my grace. I'm going to give you my grace, my strength, my help is sufficient for thee. He says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. He says, I don't want you strong. I want you weak. Because when you're weak, when you know that you need God, and you know you need His grace, and you know you need His strength, that's when I can be made strong. He says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And the Apostle Paul says right here, guess what? I'm going to glory in my pain. Oh, what a wonderful thing. Notice the end of the verse. Therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. He says, notice that, I take pleasure in it. The Apostle Paul says, I actually kind of gotten to the place where I can enjoy these things. Why? For when I am weak, then am I strong. Christianity is not a promise of protection from our pain. I want you to hear this. Christianity is not a promise of protection from pain. Christianity is a promise that God will be present with us in the midst of our pain. And that's a glorious promise. That the same Christ who suffered and died in our place will suffer with us and will give us the strength in the midst of our weaknesses. Recently I was going through a, a minor difficult season just struggling with some things in my own heart and just a little discouraged about some stuff and I just I felt like I couldn't shake it. You know, no matter, just, it wasn't, it just it was lingering. And finally it was like the Spirit of God just reminded me, do what you preach about, Josh. I thought, oh yeah, that'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? <laughs> Let's start there. I remember just entering into the presence of Christ in this particular occasion, literally to my knees. In fact, it happened in this room. With nobody around, on my knees before the Lord, just begin to abide in the presence of God. Literally begin to ask God, God, would your thoughts fill my mind? Would your emotions fill my spirit? Would your behaviors fill my life? And God, I surrender myself to allow Christ just to live through this. And whether or not you take this thing away is fine with me. But I just, I want Christ to live through me in this situation. And I will say this. Christ didn't take the issue away. Nothing circumstantially changed. Nothing outwardly changed. 
Nothing was different in this physical realm. But I'm going to tell you this. Everything changed in my heart. The way I viewed it. The way I emotionally engaged it. The way I responded toward it. Everything was different. To the place where I honestly in this moment can stand before you and say, I'm at peace in that situation. Nothing changed. But everything changed. And that's what Christ offers to you. For some of you, you're struggling with a relationship maybe at work or in your marriage. And you're begging God to change the circumstances. And God maybe has said, no, 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 no. Maybe it's time, rather than seeking and asking God to change your circumstances, maybe it's time that you ask God to change you. That is a prayer request God will answer. God, change my thinking toward this issue. In my mind, God, change my emotions toward this issue in my spirit. God, change my responses toward these circumstances in my life. God, if you won't change the circumstance, change me. Change me. I think they're going to throw this on the screens. This resonated, and I found this to be true so often the most beautiful people I've known, this is me speaking personally, are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found Christ's grace to be sufficient in their pain. These people have had an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep loving concern for others. Beautiful people do not just happen. They are forged in the fires of adversity. And this is how God uses our pain and our trials, not to destroy us, but to develop us into the people he actually wants us to be. Think of the beautiful people in your life. And nine times out of ten, that will be their backstory. While problems are inevitable, misery is optional. In our lives, there will be pain. But in our pain, there will be grace. Now I want you to think about this, and we're going to close this thing up. What does it look like When God's grace is working through us. How do we know? I'm going to say this. I'm going to kind of, I'm going to tease this thing out. I'm hoping some of you will come back next week. You say, what does it look like? It looks a lot like Jesus. Jesus went through a lot of pain. He went through a lot of sorrow. He went through a lot of hardship. But he did it in the most beautiful fashion. And over the next few weeks, we are going to uncover what it looks like when Jesus is living out his life through our pain, through our troubles, and through our difficulties. We're going to seek to uncover what that looks like. So here's our big idea as we close today. Don't resent pain. Don't get bitter. Don't resent pain. But here's what I want to say as we close today. Relinquish it. Don't resent pain. Relinquish it. Give your pains to Christ. Cast your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Don't resent pain. Relinquish it. Could you imagine what 
Northwest Fresno would look like if there are a whole lot of Christians going out into the community and being a light shining abroad even in the midst of our darkest hours. Could you imagine how that would illuminate this community with the glories of Christ? That's the vision and and that's the hope that, that we would find a life beyond our pain. That we would find hope within our pain. That we would not just survive it, but that we would thrive in it. While problems are inevitable, misery is a choice. Misery is optional. If you are wallowing in your misery right now, you've made a choice to do that. You can't avoid all the problems. You can't avoid all the trials. But this misery, this wallowing and just kind of self-misery, it's a choice. It's optional. And God can give you the grace to move through that. So here's my question. Are you accessing God's grace in the midst of your pain? Are you accessing God's grace in the midst of your pain? You say, how do you do that? That's what we're going to unpack over the next four weeks. How to practically, functionally allow Christ to live his life through us in the days ahead. Let's talk about it next week, shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you.